Welcome back to episode 143 of the Draft FC podcast. Welcome back to the Draft FC podcast, the podcast and website dedicated to all things official Draft FBL. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for another game week preview going over waiver options, hidden gems and general Premier League chat ahead of game week 8. Game week 7 started with a massive 6-1 win for Villa at home to Brighton. I think the scoreline flattered them a bit but Brighton was certainly off it on Saturday. We'll have to see what sort of performance they put in for their European game away at Marseille on Thursday evening but it was interesting to see some of the players that were hauled off at half time in that game and I think that provides a better opportunity for a couple of their guys who have been slightly on the fringes. Elsewhere, big win for Arsenal away at Bournemouth, which puts them under a lot of pressure now as they sit in 19th and are winless uh, alongside Sheffield United. Not good company to be in at this point. Luton and Burnley played out a rather uninspiring uh, double game week with a win each, and the biggest result of the weekend has to go to Wolves overcoming Manchester City in a 2-1 win at home to keep some notion of a title race alive. Also, got to give a small nod to Palace for getting a result uh, away at Old Trafford. Otherwise, very boring regulation wins without any talking points at all for Newcastle, West Ham, Chelsea and Spurs. Now, recording this episode on Wednesday the 4th of October, so any team news, injury developments or press conference info are up to date as of then. And of course, subject to change. Some of the players I'll be discussing in this episode include Mickey van der Ven, Huang Hee Chan, Jao Pedro, Elliot Anderson and a few more. So let's get straight into it. So kicking things off as always with Waverwatch, the main players coming in last week were Abdelay Decore, Tarkovsky, Kufau, uh, Longstaff, Bruno Gamares and Jensen. The players leaving were Gusto, Barnes, uh, Shade, Huang, Henry, Eriksson and Trossard. In terms of fixtures, I mentioned a few of these teams last week, but I'll look ahead to beyond the international break over the next four to five game weeks. Villa, one of those teams I mentioned before, have five very nice fixtures coming up and should be buoyant after a very, as I said, impressive win against a poor Brighton side at the weekend. The away games will be a challenge, but their next three home games are West Ham, Luton and Fulham, which I would expect Aston Villa to get positive results in. One or two Villa players may be featuring later on in this episode. And then Spurs, not really sure what to say about that performance against Liverpool, but I'm hoping there will be enough things for them to go through when they watch the tape back to iron out um, some things in their attacking play because the sort of defence they faced against 10 and then 9-man Liverpool is the sort of low block they're going to face a lot over the next few weeks. Starting away at Luton on Saturday, uh, they then got a home game to Fulham, away to Palace um, in their next three before the return of Pochettino to Spurs in what could be a make or break fixture for him depending on how their form pans out over the next few weeks. Most Spurs players have been mopped up um, over the last month or so so I'll try and mention an option or two in a moment. In terms of this week alone just focusing on game week eight uh, obviously any team at the moment at home to Sheffield United stands out so I expect Fulham to be very popular this week. United at home to Brentford. Brentford haven't really been at it this season and through the opening seven weeks they've only got one win back in game week two. United themselves obviously desperate for a win in front of a very disgruntled home crowd. I think as long as that angst doesn't transmit to the players it should be a good game for them to make a comeback performance and give them a nice boost heading into the international break. 
Palace at home to Forest is one. I had uh, written down two clean sheets in a row now and a good opportunity to make it a hat-trick uh, with Forest going to Selhurst Park. The only thing that gives me slight pause for thought is the news this week that Eze is out. Um, I think that's a big miss for them and how they play, so we'll have to see how they mitigate that. I'm not sure if Eduard's going to be fit this week, so they may look to include Mateta and Eduard together. Otherwise, um, they could just look to pack out midfield and bring Hughes, Lerma and Decore all in together. And then lastly, Arsenal at home to Manchester City. Possibly the only time I might pick out um, a fixture for a one-week punt against City. But really, if you're Arsenal, this is the perfect time to face everybody's favourites for the title. Rodri missing proved to be quite a big miss against Wolves. And defensively, they didn't seem the dominant unit that they often are with some uncharacteristic individual errors thrown in there. Um, my league frequently uses the concepts of loan trades, so essentially short-term trades pre-agreed to last one, maybe two weeks. These are sometimes used if somebody's planning on benching a high-value asset and want to see who they might be able to borrow in return. And this week, I would certainly be having a look to see if anybody is willing to let you borrow the likes of Jesus, Odegaard, Martinelli. Not so sure about Saka now, as it sounds like he could be injured. But yeah, because regardless of what you feel about the final result, I would be feeling very strongly to back the both teams to score uh, and for Arsenal to at least get a goal or two. So, yeah, there are points there if you pick the right attacker. Into the main section then, starting with the Fulham defence. As I said, definitely a popular go-to this week at home to Sheffield United. By no means, though, a nailed back four. Tim Ream was one notch above dreadful against Chelsea on Monday night and I wonder if he could be dropped. Um, Castagna continued in place of Tete. I think he will probably carry on. Um, I think Diop is, is the safest way into this fixture. Diop has taken in 40% of 10-team leagues, so he's available in most of them out there. And then on the left side, Robinson's ownership is even lower. He's available in nearly three-quarters of 10-team leagues, and I think if he's fit, then he's probably another safe way in too. For Palace, um, now it could be slightly knee-jerk given his big match-winning haul against United, but Anderson is really somebody we shouldn't be ignoring. He's now the highest-scoring defender in FPL as it stands with an impressive 45 points from the opening seven fixtures. He also leads the way in the entire game in terms of bonus points with nine um, so far, having taken three on uh, three occasions so far. So yeah, he's proving to be a very good asset so far. Whether that continues or not, I don't know, but I'm sure we'll see his ownership percentages rocket up this week. A couple of Spurs options now. Now, for that defence, very difficult to find a way in. Van der Ven is the most uh, available, but even he is taken in more than 80% of 10-team leagues. So there's going to be a handful of leagues out there in which he's free. If he's there, he is definitely a priority waiver. Quietly been a very excellent uh, performer since joining a couple of months ago. And in a very similar way to goalkeepers, sometimes not being talked about is exactly what you want it just shows that you're settling and quietly doing your business but yeah with Spurs' fixtures if he's there he has to go further up the pitch is Richarlison the managers around the draft universe were dropping uh, Richarlison on average last week and I was pleasantly surprised to see him in the starting 11 against Liverpool uh, in a move I've been looking to see for a couple of weeks now which is simply to swap Richarlison back out to left wing uh, where he's been very good in the past even going back to his Everton days and keeps on through the middle a very tidy assist for Son's opening goal in a move that came straight off the training ground. Don't be disheartened if you have him and wanted to see him become the Spurs number nine. I think this gives him another avenue into the starting 11, takes the mental pressure off him being the perceived goal scorer and just gives him more license to have more time on the ball and feel his way into the game, which I think definitely improves his performances. 
Next, and a name who was on that drop list uh, in terms of last week's waivers was Huang Hee Chan, uh, or that Korean guy. Just keeps on scoring goals for Wolves, an attribute Wolves can't turn down at the moment. And I think we're likely to see a prolonged run in the team for him, which is definitely worth a look for draft managers given their upcoming fixtures. Now, they don't interest me defensively, um, Wolves that is, as they're just conceding far too many goals, nearly to a game. But they do look dangerous against any opposition. Neto remains the go-to asset with free choice, but his ownership is now well into the high 90s for a lot of average size leagues, so it isn't realistically an option. Huang now has four goals for the season, and more importantly, these are spread over four games against high-quality opponents, Brighton, Palace, Liverpool and City. Next game is at home to Villa, but after that, they've got trips to Bournemouth and Sheffield United in game weeks 9 and 11. The only thing that can make those fixtures less appealing, though, is the inevitable new manager bounces that they're likely to get sooner or later. Next is Anthony for Prison FC. It was reintroduced to the world off the bench in their defeat to Galatasaray on Tuesday night. And I don't think Ten Hag will be able to wait on putting him back in the lineup in the league, given how poorly they've been recently. Um, not that Anthony can be seen as a massive saviour waiting in the wings because he's hardly lived up to expectations so far. But what he does add is some dependability um, and savvy pressing from that right-hand side, providing the team with a lot more balance, which is very much needed, especially with Jaden Sancho now seemingly in exile until the January transfer window opens. His ownership has dropped like a lead balloon, and for 10 team leagues, he's now available in more than 70% of leagues out there. Brentford at home and Sheffield United away in the next two, so if he does get a couple of starts, very worth having. And then the forward option to think about uh, is Jao Pedro for Brighton. Now, lots of owners got cold feet around game week four when uh, De Zerbi made some public comments that Jao Pedro may not be quite up to starting games for Brighton at the moment, but he continues to look dangerous and continues to take any opportunity he gets from the bench. Regular listeners will know my love for the underlying expected goal involvements per 90 stat. And as it stands, he leads the way for Brighton players and is top 10 in the league amongst those with fairly regular minutes. So even when he doesn't start, he is getting a very decent run out, um, you know, at least half an hour. It was quite telling that when De Zerbi made half-time changes against Villa, um, Jao Pedro was one of the guys brought on to help chase the game. So I think he is starting to move his way back into De Zerbi's heart. Ownership remains quite high, around 80%, so will likely need to be a trade target, but could be one, um, and indeed is one, that I'll be putting on the buy low list. A few hidden gems now. Uh, first uh, for uh, Everton is Branthwaite for a bit of defensive action. Home game to Bournemouth. Not that you can rely on Everton to do anything as expected at the moment. This is the sort of waiver you have penciled in as a fourth or fifth choice on the off chance all your top targets are taken by other managers. Another defensive option is uh, Lascelles for Newcastle. Sven Botman is set to miss out for a little while and the expectation is that Lascelles will come in to partner Shah. You fancy Newcastle away to West Ham, it's a rare opportunity to get a piece of their defence, but I think I'd be looking at other options personally. In midfield, uh, for Newcastle again, Elliot Anderson. Not the easiest fixture, as I say, away to West Ham, but looking at the injury list for Newcastle, plus the fact Gordon's already picked up five yellow cards for a suspension means options are very limited. Um, I think Almiron's almost certain to start off the right. Isaac should probably play through the middle, which then would leave Anderson, I think, um, being almost the only healthy option who's not on a ban to play off the left. And then back to Everton again for uh, a look at Dwight McNeil. Now, Dyche has made it quite clear that his old favourite McNeil will be one of the main guys again this year. 
Lest we forget that he came off a very impressive season last year with a career highlight tally of seven goals and five assists from comparatively lower minutes uh, compared to previous seasons. Now, Everton season, as I say, just keeps stuttering whenever it looks like it's about to get going. But a home game against the second worst team in the league hopefully give them uh, another opportunity to jumpstart heading into the international break. My most hidden gem pick uh, this week is somebody who um, I've never seen play football before, before this week's uh, fixtures, but who I was really, really impressed with. And that was Murillo for uh, Forrest, uh, one of their many, many centre-backs who looked really solid alongside Willie Bully against Brentford on Sunday, just 21 years old. And I think, I'm pretty sure that was his first Premier League appearance. He looked very composed, barely put a foot wrong. I expect him to continue there alongside Bolly after that game as the two complemented each other very well. Away to Palace this weekend, not one I would probably normally highlight, but the fact Eze has picked up an injury means it's not the worst time to go and play them. And for larger leagues, definitely, and Murillo is somebody that I'd be looking at. So yeah, in terms of trade talk, I've already mentioned Jao Pedro um, on the buy low list. The other ones I'm going to add to here, Solly March, uh, another Brighton player that managers could be getting cold feet over, skewed by the fact he's missed a couple of games through injury and Dingra performed quite well in his absence, but he's still a player that can smash a head-to-head matchup single-handedly any week that he starts. Most of his points have come from game weeks one and two, so you may be able to make a tempting offer to acquire his services as I said, if managers are starting to get cold feet. The other one that I'm going to mention here is Nicholas Jackson for Chelsea. Now, as a draft manager engaged enough to bother listening to me every week, you're obviously comfortable with pain and suffering. So why not go all in and grab Jackson off a league rival? His expected goals are around four with just the one to show for it. You don't need to watch that many highlights uh, for very long to know why that is. But an encouraging display against Brighton in the League Cup um, last midweek uh, and a trip to Burnley on Saturday should continue to present opportunities for him on his road to redemption. Um, it seems mad that he's even on a road to redemption having been at the club for about 10 minutes. No major standouts to add to the sell high list this week but I will continue to review that uh, each week as we go along. So that is it for this episode. A reminder that waivers will process on Friday morning UK time at 11am ahead of the usual lunchtime kickoff at half past 12 between Luton and Spurs. All the fixtures will be nicely wrapped up within the Saturday and Sunday. There's no Friday or Monday games. Um, And as I've said on quite a few occasions in this episode, we are heading into the second international break of the season so uh, yeah those these these fixtures will conclude on Sunday the 8th and we won't see a return to Premier League football for game week 9 until Saturday the 21st so a two-week break there um, and another early opportunity for us all to have a bit of a breather at least it may be a, a breather for you guys we will continue to work hard at Draft FC we're planning on getting a couple of uh, of more videos together um, particularly going through some of the back end of the site that you may not have seen before with some guides on how we use them um, and how we expect users to uh, play around with all of our tools um, so keep an eye out for that if you haven't subscribed to our youtube channel yet please do um, it's if you just search for draft fc you'll be able to find us on there and subscribe so you'll be able to keep up with any videos that come out also make sure you're subscribed on your podcasting platform so you don't miss out on any of these episodes as they come out i'll see if there's time to uh, get a bit of a bonus episode out over the international break 
head to uh, X, formerly known as Twitter, and give us a follow there at draft underscore FC. Probably the easiest way to get a message to us should you have any particular concerns about your team, league, or any questions about the site. So best of luck ahead of Game Week 8, and until next time, stay sure.